Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. are a veteran today, would you mind standing up so we can acknowledge you? We just want to show some honor, anyone at all that was a veteran. Y'all don't be shy. Come on. We're thankful for you. Yes. God bless you. So thankful for you and your service. We salute you. Amen. 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 We do honor you today. My father served in the military. He went into the army, and um, so it's uh, important to me that we show honor to our veterans and uh, uh, just just let them know how thankful we are for their service. Today, we're going to jump into part two of the series that we started last week called Spent. Um, and every year in November, we like to slow down for a few weeks and talk about generosity, what it means to to give and uh, to operate the same way God operates. God at heart is a giver. He wanted so much for you and I to be saved that he gave his only son so that we could be in a relationship with him. So we are uh, never more like God than when we serve and when we give. Those are two things that, that uh, we can characterize God as, is that, he, is that he is a giver and he served us. Jesus didn't come uh, and, and you know wear a crown with his disciples, even though we know he's the king of kings. What did he do? He came and he served them. He washed their feet. So giving and serving is very important uh, as it relates to following Christ. Christ. Um, I mentioned last week that some of the principles we're teaching in this three-week series um, called Spent come right out of a book called The Blessed Life. Um, we're using uh, some of that as a basis. Um, I used some of it back in 2012, but when I looked at where we were in 2012 versus where we are today, I felt like we really needed to go back and revisit some of these life-changing principles because at that time we were a church of about 250 to 300 people, uh, and last Sunday there was 1,178 people here. So uh, you, we, we have to slow down and, and say, you know, people need um, to, to understand what it means to give, to be a generous person. And, and a lot of people don't understand that the person of Jesus prepares you for heaven. Jesus loves you, right? He died for you, and the person of Jesus gets you ready for heaven, but the principles of Jesus prepares you for earth. And a lot of people want the person of Jesus, they want to get to heaven, but they don't want to operate in the principles of Jesus, which help bring heaven to earth. And so giving is one of the ways to bring a slice of heaven into our earth. And we are talking today, I want to call this the blessed test, the blessed test, a little bit of a review. The key to the blessed life is a heart of generosity. We talked about three mindsets last week. We talked about the bag mindset where most people live. They, it almost feels like they have a little bag and they put their income in the bag, but their bag, as Haggai said, has holes in it. And so no matter how much they make, it seems like they never have enough. But we went on to the basket mindset, which the basket mindset is the, the understanding that our God is a giver, 
our God is more than enough, that when we give, God will give back good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. But then there is a third one that, that it's for the radical faith people that believe that not only is God more than enough, God is infinitely more than enough. God, God can do supernatural things. And, and, and what I hope you get out of this is that it doesn't matter what your job is, doesn't matter you know, where you go to work, where you clock in and clock out, what business you run, you need to know that that job is not your source. In the kingdom of God, you, you can make minimum wage and you can be the one who owns an, an amazing jet or house. How many? God can get anything to you he wants to get to you. But we oftentimes, we get saved and we get into the kingdom of God and, and we, we trust God with salvation, but we don't trust God with our finances. We look at our job as the only source. Uh, we look at uh, the people that maybe uh, are in our life as our source. But you need to know as a follower of Jesus that God is your source. He told Abraham, he said, Abraham, I am your compensation. So you need to know, how many, how many has learned that God can take care of you? Has anybody ever learned that? Like, God really can take care of you. Um, and so God has the ability to bless you abundantly, but the key to the blessed life is a heart of generosity. Now, I want to give you a little test just to see how blessed we are today. Uh, and the context of what I'm about to ask you, I, I want you to understand the context. Most people don't realize this, but about half the world lives on $2 a day or less. Okay, about 3 billion people live on $2 a day or less. So I want to ask a question. How many of you know that you are blessed? Come on, if you know that, raise those hands high. We, we know that we are, we are blessed. Now, there is some good news about that, and there is some bad news. The good news is we are blessed. The bad news with that is, is that for the most part in this nation, people are not very generous. People are not very generous. Studies show this, that as income increases, the percentage of what people give decreases. Now, you would think that the more we make, the more blessed we are, the more generous we would become, but studies prove the opposite. The more we make, the more stingy we become. We give a less percentage. And it's so shocking when you think about that. Just to give you an idea, the U, in, the, in the United States, the average person gives about 3.1%, all right, of their income, approximately. And that's not just the local church. That's all charities. Any charity whatsoever, we give, uh, the average person gives about 3.1%. Now, something shocking about this number is, is that People who live in what they call the poverty level, okay, they make poverty level income. They, get, they don't give 3.1. Those people actually give 5.2%. They go above the average, people who live at a poverty level. But the other thing that's really, you know, bad news is people who make a lot of money, people who make $200,000 a year or more, they give 0.07%. They give less than 1% of their income. The more we make, the less we give. And we have to change that. If we are the most blessed nation on the earth, and we all understand, we all testify that we are blessed, then we should be 
givers. Now, um, Jesus said it like this. He said, if you are not faithful with little, you will not be faithful with much. Come on, hit your neighbor and tell your neighbor, start where you are. Start where you are. A lot of people have a mindset. We kind of hit this last week that once I make more, I'll give more. Well, the studies prove the opposite. If we're not giving now, we're not going to give then. And so we have to start where we are. And, and what we need to know is that this blessed test, uh, it goes two ways, and we'll, we'll kind of hit both ways, but God is testing us. God is testing us. And wh- what's he testing? He's testing to see if we will love and trust money or will we love and trust God? Will we love and trust material things, our job or that we think is our source? Will we trust those things or will we trust God? That is the test that God is testing us with. Luke 16, verses 10 and 11 says, Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling, handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? Now, the bag mindset that we hit last week is, I don't have enough, Pastor. I, I, I make money, but I, I just don't have enough. I would love to be more generous. I, I hear what you're teaching. I see what Jesus said about it. But I, I'm just in bad shape, and I don't have the ability to give and to be generous. Um, and, and I would just encourage you, because here's what I have seen for a lot of people. Um, they put themselves in such bad financial conditions that when they come to church and hear a message about giving, a message about generosity, a message about tithing, they look at their income and think, it's impossible, right? That's, that's what they think because they're in a bad situation financially. And I, I have, you know, talked with people and it was really bad and, and there was no way to make it work on paper. But here's what I would tell you to do. We're going to talk about the tithe in a minute and we'll, we'll talk about what that means. But wherever you are, you need to start with something. I had to encourage a family one time. They were struggling because their finances were so messed up, but they really felt like they needed to tithe, like they needed to give and get this thing started. But they, they, they were in such bad shape financially that on paper it didn't make sense. And so I just simply encouraged them, start where you are. We, we understand that we need to bring a tithe, but how many know God will honor it if you say, you know what, we're in bad shape, but we'll start with 4%. We'll start with 6%. And here's what I found out. Every time that I've seen people take a step, God starts making a way, and they eventually arrive at the tithe, and not only the tithe, they're able to go above and beyond that. How many want to go above and beyond with your generosity? I mean, so many people want to receive... But, but the blessing is not about receiving. The blessing is about giving. And so God talks a lot about money because he knew that money would be the number one competitor for our hearts. Money grips our hearts. We, we, we love, so many people love money. And, and, and part of that is, is because money promises things that only God can give. For instance, money for a lot of people promises security. We think if I I have money, I'll be secure. 
or money promises freedom. If I have enough, then I'll, I'll, I'll be free. Money promises power. Money promises significance. And, and what you have to understand, God is the only one that can provide true security, freedom, power, and significance. And so we don't need to, to get that from uh, our net worth. We need to get that from God. We need to know that, that God is the one who brings freedom and significance and security into our life. Um, money is also, according to Scripture, if you, if you look at how Jesus talked about it, money is a counterfeit God. It's a counterfeit God. Um, it, it's actually referred to in Scripture as mammon. Like, you know, God, God gave it a name because he knew people would worship it. People would do anything in their power to get it. A lot of the crime in this nation, what's it about? It's about money. It's, it, it's about power that, that they think money can bring into their life. And Jesus said this in Matthew 6, 24. He said, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. And this is the important line. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, this is so interesting to me that God, he doesn't say you can't serve God and your, your job or God and your house or God and your spouse or God and sex. He, he, he says you can't serve God and money. Why, why does God say that? He knew that money would be a big struggle for a lot of people. I mean, think about Jesus. Even one of his disciples, Judas, betrayed him for what? 30 pieces of silver. And so we cannot serve God and money. And the question God is asking all of us is, will we trust God or will we trust money? Now, Ecclesiastes 5 and 11, look at this verse. Because before I read this, most people have this idea. If I had more money, my life would be better. If I could make more money, life would be better. Things would be easier. All that. How many's ever said, if I could just make more money, life would be better? Come on, raise your hands. Don't, don't lie in church. Come on. We've all said it. If I, if I could make more, then everything would be better. But as you saw with the statistics, the more we make, the more we spend, right? And, and, and here's what Ecclesiastes chapter 5 says. It says, whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. So God is testing us as it relates to finances. Will we love and trust our money or will we love and trust God? And I believe that if you are a, a follower of Jesus, you've got to make some decisions as it relates to money. That we, we need to understand decisions lead, feelings follow. And so if we know what God says about money, then this should be our declaration. I will give God, all right, I will give God my first and my best, and he can bless the rest. I will give God the first, all right, I will give God the first and the best and let him bless the, left, and, and bless the rest. In other words, when, when you talk about tithing, we'll get to this in a second, tithing is not just 10%. All right, we know that tithe means tenth. That's, that's what the word tithe means. But tithing, not only does it mean one-tenth of our income, tithing means first. Before the groceries, before the diapers, before the car payment. Y'all smile, come on. 
We, we, we don't usually talk about this, but tithe is not just, I'm going to pay all my bills, and if I got enough at the end, I'll, I'll give God a tithe. That's not tithing. Tithing is first, all right? It don't take faith to give after you've paid everybody else. It's faith when you do it first. So let's look at this. In Malachi 3, verse 10, it says, Bring all the tithe into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house, and prove me now herewith, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. So tithe means tenth. Tithe, tithe is the first 10%, but it also means first. Now, one of the things that um, I want you to, to walk with me through is Cain and Abel. You guys remember in the book of Genesis, Cain and Abel both brought an offering to God. You guys remember that story? They both brought an offering, and the Bible says that God uh, had respect for Abel's offering, but God had no respect for Cain's. Now, there's a lot of debate over why God would respect Abel's and not Cain's, and, and I've heard people debate, well, it's because, you know, Abel brought the firstborn of his flock, and, and so because, since it was an animal, uh, a sacrifice could be made and God accepted it, and Cain, he just brought uh, some of his crop out of the garden, and, and that wasn't good enough. That's really not it at all. If you read it in context, how many you can only bring you know, what you have, right? Cain was not a shepherd. Apparently, he was more of a farmer. So he didn't have, uh, you know, animals to bring. He had crops to bring. So it wasn't about, you know, one brought an animal and one brought something from the garden. But if you look at it in context, what you will see is that Abel brought the first of his flock. The difference between Cain and Abel's offering is that Abel brought his first. Hit your neighbor and say first. He brought his first, and Cain apparently did not bring the first of his crops. Maybe he waited to see if he would have enough and then bring an offering. I believe that God would have been totally pleased with Cain's offering had he, been, had he brought that offering first to God. Look at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. It says, Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. We read this scripture last week, but I want you to know that giving is supposed to be fun. Now here at Bethesda, there's a lot of ways to give. You could give in person, you could give online, or you know, give on the app, you could text to give. There's a lot of ways to give, and if you're sitting in front of your computer screen and said, oh God, it's time to give again, then you don't understand the heart behind giving. Giving should be fun. We, and, and we've already established we are blessed. So if, if we are blessed and we acknowledge that, then we should be excited about giving. Um, it's interesting to me that Christians frequently tip their waitress more than they give to God. I mean, a minimum tip is 15%, Right? God says bring the tithe, 10%, but we go to the restaurant, and let me just throw it out there because this is one of my pet peeves. If you don't give at least 15% to your waiter or waitress, please don't go out to eat. Go to McDonald's and serve yourself. But come on, church. I mean, oh, here comes the church crowd, and it's proven that, that waiters and waitresses say the worst day of the week to serve is Sunday. All the Christians come in and 
We, we, oh, my order's messed up. Take this back. Oh, this is terrible. Can you cook it again? Oh, I'm, they were terrible. I'm going to leave, you know, a, a 5% tip. We got the worst attitude. How many know that, that when we go out to eat, we ought to be a witness? We ought to be a witness not just like in sharing our faith, but we ought to be a witness in our generosity. We ought to, we ought to be the best tippers. I challenge you every now and then, leave a tip bigger than what the meal costs. Be, have a generous heart. Allow God to lead you. And I don't know why I'm going down a rabbit trail right now, but we, we need to, to demonstrate generosity everywhere we go. Leviticus chapter 27, 30 says, A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. So God says a tithe of everything. That means a tithe of what we make at the job. It means a tithe if we sell a house for profit. It means if somebody hands us 200 bucks and says, you know, have a good time on me. It means of all of our increase, we give the first 10% to God. And, and we trust God that he will bless the rest. So, so if you're a technical person, person this morning, you need to know, I know we, a lot of times, even I'm guilty of saying we need to, we need to give tithe or pay tithe, but we, we all understand it's not that at all. The Bible's very clear that we bring it, which means that it's not a bill to be paid. And the reason it's not a bill to be paid is because God sees the tithe as already belonging to him. Whether you bring it or not, God says that's mine. And so we bring it, and then generosity starts after we have brought the tithe. So he says, bring the tithe into the storehouse, not pay it, all right, not give it, but bring it. God owns it all, all right? He owns it all. We, we are managers. God is owner. God owns it all, but he says, I want you to bring the first 10% to me. Now, the cool thing about that is, is that when we bring the first 10% to God, in God's eyes, it's like we've brought the whole thing. It sanctifies the whole. When, when we bring the, the, the tenth, when we bring the tithe, it's as if we have brought every dime we make. That's how God views it. It, it sanctifies and, and purifies the rest of what we have. Malachi chapter 3, 8 and 9 says, Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me, but you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings, you're under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. So I want to give you some context of this scripture. A lot of times we read right past this. God says, you guys are robbing me. You, in other words, you are stealing what belongs to me. And, and the way it started out for Israel is very comparable to the way it starts out for us in this nation. Israel was experiencing blessing. And in the beginning, they were bringing the tithe, and they were excited about it, and, and they were pumped up about tithing, and knew God was on their side. But as they got more blessed, the tithe, even though it doesn't really change in scope, um, it's still 10% whether you make 100000 or you make $10 million. How many know a tithe is a tithe? It's the same for everyone. But after they received the blessing, what they did, the, the, the tithe grew, like it got bigger. I, you know, my tithe used to be this God, but now it's this God, and I, I just, I don't want to bring that much to you. And so what they would do, many of them being shepherds, is what they would do is they wouldn't bring the best of their flock. They would find one that had one eye, 
one that had a messed up leg, and they would bring that to God instead of the tithe. And, and we're no different. I mean, a lot of people will give, you know, 2% of their income and call it tithe. How many of you, it's not tithe until it's 10, and it's not tithe until it's first. But they were bringing halfway, ha- half of, uh, of the tithe, and even less, and calling it tithe. And so God said, that's fine, y'all, y'all can do your thing. You, you want to keep the best for yourself because you'll get more money out of it at the market. You'll keep the best of your flock. You'll make more money. All that, you want to do it your way. And so what God says is, you go ahead and do it your way, but while you're doing that, I'm going to take a step back and I'm going to see how things go for you. And so what happens is, is the economy started tanking. Things started to not work for them. All because... They could not bring what belonged to God first and and bring the best to God. And I think sometimes in church, we are guilty of bringing God leftovers. We bring him leftovers. We bring God leftovers with our time. We bring God leftovers with our passions many times. And, and we definitely bring God leftovers with our pocketbook. Martin Luther said that there are three salvations that every person has to experience. And he said it's, it's the one of the spirit and, and, and then also the one of the soul. And he said, but the hardest one is the one of the pocketbook. Some of us need to get our pocketbook saved. How many of you can find out what's important to a person by, by checking out their checkbook for three minutes? You don't have to talk to him. You don't have to ask him any questions. All you have to do is follow the money trail because where our treasure is, there our heart will be also. Proverbs chapter 16, before I read this, I want to clear something up. I don't think we in this nation have a money problem. I'm going to take it a step further. You don't have a money problem. A lot of people say, I've got money problems. i got Money issues. I don't think we have money problem problems. I think we have a wisdom problem. We don't have money issues. We got wisdom issues. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 16 says, Get wisdom, how much better it is than gold, and get understanding it is preferable to silver. So it doesn't matter, and, and, and the stats back me up on this, it doesn't matter if you make $500,000 a year, if you make $600,000 worth of bad decisions. See, what, what we want to do, and, and let, let's go ahead and, and say it. A lot of us, here's what we do. We'll bring God the tithe, all right, but then we don't pray about anything else about our finances. We don't use wisdom at all. Like, I brought the tithe, now I'll do what I want. What if you got God involved in all your financial decisions? What if you slowed down long enough to say, God, should I purchase this? Now, I'm not talking about toothpaste. Brush your teeth. (laughs) But the big decisions. I mean, every time, you know, something comes out, we got to have it. And, well, I'm kind of tired of my car. I only drove it a year, but I'm going to trade it in. And, and, and we continue to make decisions without even getting God involved. We use zero wisdom, and then we're upset and think we need more money, but it's not more money that most of us need. It's more wisdom that we need. Um, and and I, I'll be honest with you, there have been times I've been, I had been tithing and giving, 
and I was still messed up financially because God wasn't involved in the other, uh, the other parts of my money. I wasn't asking him how to steward what he had blessed me with. And, and so we have to learn. The, the writer of Proverbs, Solomon said that wisdom is better than gold. Look at what it says in Proverbs 9 and 10. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now, the fear of the Lord isn't like, I'm afraid of God. He's going to punish me if I make bad decisions. That's not what it's talking about. What this is talking about is that we fear doing life without God. That I, I'm fearful to make financial decisions without God. I'm fearful to buy that new house without God. I'm fearful to buy that brand new car without God. How many of some of those big decisions that we make, we need to ask God, what do you think? God, what do you, what do you want me to do about this in my life? And so we need to make a declaration. God, I am fearful about handling money without you. Get God involved in your financial life. I, I came across this journal entry that I think you guys will find very uh, fitting this morning. Uh, this is a journal entry. Here's what it says. It says, one night at age 56, I was broke, discouraged, and ill in a sanitarium in Battle Creek, Michigan. I felt that I would never see the dawn of another day. I got up, wrote farewell letters to my wife, to my oldest son. I sealed the letters. If I did sleep, it was not sound sleep. I rose early, went down to the mezzanine floor, found the dining room was open. Suddenly, over in the corner of the mezzanine, I heard the singing of an old Christian song, God will take care of you. You can imagine how heavy my heart was when I went in. Yet after I heard that song, God will take care of you, I came out of the room at that moment a changed man. Within a few moments, my life was transformed. It was almost as if I had had a new birth. God did take care of me. He did save me. And ever since then, I've been trying to serve him. When I finally got back on my feet, I enjoyed materially more than I ever had. I had gained immeasurably in spiritual wealth, for I had learned to turn to God for guidance in all acts and all decisions in my life. You guys probably know this man, J.C. Penney. He learned to trust God in every area of his life. Isn't it amazing to you that we can trust God, that heaven is going to be our home for eternity, but we can't trust God with a few bucks? We need wisdom as it relates to money. Now, I want to show you three blessings of the tithe, and I'm not going to be long with these three, but I want to show you three blessings. Number one, tithing provides for God's work through his church. Now, why is that important? Because the local church is the hope of the world. Not the Republicans. Not the Democrats. I know we want, you know, we, we, we're trusting government. And if we get the right person in office, everything will be great. I want to go back and read the verse about wisdom. Putting our trust in man, put, putting our trust in politics, putting our trust in government. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The hope of the world is the local church. 
This, this, is, this place and local churches all over the world is how God wants to change the world. It's how God wants to meet needs. It's how God wants people to be discipled. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He said in Malachi 3 and 10, if we go back to that, bring the whole tithe. I think it's interesting God said bring the whole tithe. Like not 5% and then we call it tithe. He said bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. The storehouse is an Old Testament picture of the New Testament church. It's the place where you are you are being nourished spiritually. The place where you are growing. The place where God is speaking to you. He says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. The first 10% of your income, bring it first into that. Into that, that local church that you are connected to. And, and I want to say this again. For those of you that are, maybe you've never tithed. And you're like, man, I want to start, but my finances are too bad. I want to encourage you again. Start where you are. Start where you are. Figure out a plan to get there. God will honor any movement that you take, any step that you take towards being obedience in this area. God will honor that. And you need to know, and I'm going to throw my disclaimer out again, we're not teaching this because we need money or we're going to close the church. Smile, it's all right. Really, it's not about that at all. It's about getting you into God's blessing. It's not that we even want something. That's why I always say, try it out for 90 days. If it don't work, we'll give it back to you. I've never had anybody come and say, Pastor, I need it back. Now, I got scared a couple times because people messing with me. Catch me after church, say, hey, Pastor, I, I started that whole tithe thing, and we need to talk. And I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no. Heart starts beating fast, and they're just messing with me. Why? Because you can't outgive God. And when you put God first, all right, and when you bring the best and when you bring it first, God gets involved and God can do more with, with your 90%, all right, than you could with 100%. And so we trust God in this area. Um, and the other thing I would say about th this scripture, about bringing it into the storehouse, the local church is vital in relationship to your spiritual growth. It, it, it's completely vital. A lot of people act as if the local church is not important, like you don't need a local church. Well, that, that goes so against the entire New Testament. This is what, what Jesus said he was building, all right? So um, we bring the tithe so that there may be food in God's house, and, and, and we know that's not always just physical food. It's talking about the spiritual food. And you need to know people are getting saved in this church every single week. And it's because people are faithful in giving. Amen. I think we ought to give God a hand for all the people that are getting saved. Over 600 people this year. I mean, come on. That's amazing. Spiritual food is being provided through the local church by our giving. The second thing is tithing teaches me to put God first. It teaches me that. Deuteronomy 14.23, the purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your lives. And I can't think of a more practical, tangible way of putting God first than, than with our finances. Like that is a tangible, that is a practical way of saying God is first in my life. Now, all the tithers that will come to these three services today that have been tithing and understand how God blesses, the whole time I'm speaking about this, you know what they're doing? That's right. That's right. Because they know. 
They know. They've experienced the blessing of God as it relates to this. And the other thing, if you, if you haven't done it, you've never experienced God's blessing in this area of your life. You've never even tested God because not only is it a test of us putting God first, it's the only place in Scripture that God says you can test me. That, that you give God an opportunity to get involved in your finances. So a lot of people will be like, well, pastor, do you, uh, you know, 10% is a lot. I mean, I, I just don't know how I'm going to make that happen. Are you telling me that I need to rearrange my finances and reorganize so that I can bring this first? Absolutely. That's what I'm telling you. That's the only way that you're going to be able to demonstrate that God is first. That you are placing priority on your relationship with God. And it may mean you can't have 999 channels on your TV. And Hulu and Netflix and Amazon Prime, you don't need all four of them. Pick one. I can't tithe. I, I can't give the 100 bucks. You got 400 in TV bills. Oh, I said that out loud. I'm sorry. Yes, it means to rearrange. It means to reprioritize, to make a decision that God is going to be first in our finances. And the third thing that tithing does is that it increases your faith in God. It will increase your faith in God. And I can't tell you how many people say, Pastor, it don't make sense on paper. I can't make sense of it. But it looks like I should be broke. But I've got more than I ever had because I trusted God with the tithe. It makes no sense at all. But God is blessing me. He's blessing my finances. He's blessing my business. All because I took the step to put God first. It teaches us to trust God. The only place in Scripture that we are allowed to test God. Malachi 3.10, he said, Test me in this, says the Lord. See if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven, pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. Now, in Scripture, numbers represent different things. All throughout Scripture, there, there are emphasis placed on certain numbers. We know that the number seven is, is God's number of perfection or completion. The number of six is one less, obviously, but it's the number of man. We know that Satan's number is 666. And so numbers are very important. A tithe means tenth. But when you look at ten, ten is often the number in Scripture of testing. Okay? So God says, I want you to test me with the tithe, the ten. It's a number of testing. Think about this. When God tested us for obedience, how many commandments did he give us? He gave us ten commandments. When God tested Pharaoh's heart in the Old Testament, how many plagues did he send? He sent ten plagues. In the New Testament, how many virgins were tested to see if they were prepared for the return of the bridegroom? It was ten. How many lepers were healed to see who would come back and, and, and give testimony uh, and gratitude to Jesus? There were ten. How many disciples did Jesus have? All right. Just... <laughs> Just testing you. It was 12. So 10 is a number of testing. And God wants to know, very simply, will you love and trust me or will you love and trust money? And I know what some of us are thinking. You know, Pastor, the, the tithe is under the law. It's under the law. We're, we're not under the law, and, and so that means that we don't have to tithe. People use that excuse to rationalize 
their, their greed. Because tithing is not law. Tithing is pre-law. 400 years before God ever gave the law, Abraham tithed. Not out of obligation, but out of revelation. And there's a difference. Abraham saw that God was his compensation, and so there was no law in place for him to give, but he knew that the right thing to do was to give what God had blessed him with and to give it first. Jesus tells us in Matthew 23, when it comes, he said, for, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your, your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. Look at what Jesus said. You should tithe, yes, but do not, do not neglect the more important things. I said in the beginning of this message, the person of Jesus gets you ready for heaven. But the principles of Jesus bring heaven into the earth. A lot of people want the person of Jesus. He loves me no matter what. I'm going to heaven. Praise God. But they don't want to operate in the principles of Jesus. And then they're ups, upset that they're not blessed. All right? So I, I, I know the person of Jesus, but I also need to operate in the principles of Jesus. And a lot of people want to argue about the Old Testament, New Testament, law and grace to, to excuse tithing. But you need to know in the New Testament, the standard was not lowered. The standard was actually raised. In the Old Testament, if you were to commit adultery, that was wrong. But in the New Testament, if you look at another person with lust in your heart, it's adultery. In the Old Testament, it was murder your brother. That's bad. But in the New Testament, it's if, if you hate your brother. All right, that is murder. So we need to know that the, the, the New Testament was not lowering the standard. The New, Testa New Testament was actually raising the standard, and God gives us grace to be able to, to flow with that and operate in that. He gives us the grace. He equips us to do it. We give our first and we give our best to God, and he will bless the rest. Uh, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10, it says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing. It requires faith to give first. If you give it last, it doesn't require faith. Come on, hit your neighbor and say first. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. Would you all stand with me this morning? So giving is about first and it's about best. Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Why, why, why are you reading that, Pastor? Because God loved us first. God went first. He gave his life for us first. While we were not even thinking about God, he gave first. So when it comes to something as small as finances, how many believe that we ought to be able to trust God with that? Y'all look like you're miserable. I'm just going to throw it out there. We go first in our finances. And I know for some of us, it's a big step. It's a step that we've never been able to take. But I want to encourage you again, get started where you are. Just like that family I mentioned earlier that they were so bad financially that 10% was impossible. But they got started, whether it's 2%, 4%, get started somewhere. And I promise you, God will start making sense out of it. God, how many, God can get supernaturally involved in your finances. Listen, guys, when you do your part, God will do his part. 
And, and I've seen miracle after miracle. I told you about last week, the last 200 bucks Karen and I had when we were starting off in ministry. We were at a church in Summersville, and I can remember God speaking and saying, give that, first, give that last $200. And I, I was worried that when I told Karen that she would say, no way, we got to eat. But when we gave that $200, four days later, we were blessed with a $2,000 check. With this adoption process, many of you know the story. It was about a $50,000, probably a little more than that, $50,000 venture. We didn't have that kind of money. But we saved, did the best we could. We raised money, and a lot of you all helped us with that. And so we were able to give $20,000 to it, raise $20,000. But when we got to the end, we were still $10,000 short. And there was a person, and I thought we were just going to have to eat it, put it on a credit card. And I can remember getting a phone call one afternoon of a lady that attends this church that you would have never dreamed could do what she did. But she called me and said, Pastor, I have something for you for the adoption. You know, I'm thinking, all right, that's, that's great. 50 bucks will go a long way. 100 bucks will go a long way. We were $10,000 short. And I went to get the money, went to pick up the check. She handed me a check for $10,000. It paid the adoption off. It paid it off. Listen, I, I'm not trying, it's not that we want something from you. I can honestly say that. We will give it back if it don't work for you. But this is a big part of our lives. Some of you, and, and we want to act like it's no big deal and we come to church and we're not really sure why the pastor would talk about it, but you want to send your kids to college. It takes money. Maybe you want to get a degree. It takes money. Maybe you got you know, dreams of a, a bigger house where your family could be more, I mean, it all takes money. If we can trust God, listen, we do what we can and God will do what we cannot do. Man, I was, I, all I could do when I received that check for $10,000 was cry. Like every detail of your life, God knows. Every need you have, God knows. Your job is not your source. If you need a financial breakthrough, you don't have to go to the boss man. God can speak to the boss man or some random lady that you would never dream. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Father, I thank you for your word today. And God, I know this is a heavy subject, but God, today we are making a commitment. I, feel, I sense the Holy Spirit in this place. Guys, I, I, I just do. God, we just trust you today. God, we trust you. We know, Father, you know our needs. God, you, you, you are involved in every detail of our lives. And God, this is just an area of our lives that many of us were struggling with. But God, help us today to know, God, that you will meet the need. You will meet the need, God. You will, you will, when we do our part, we do all that we can, you'll do what we can't do, God. We trust you with our finances. In Jesus' name. His heads are bowed, eyes are closed, no one looking around. I want to speak to those that are not in a relationship with Jesus today. If you're not in a relationship with Jesus today, in Romans chapter 5, we just read it, while we were sinners, Christ died. God has already proven he loves you. He's already proven you're valuable. He's already proven you're important. 
Today, all you have to do is put your faith in Jesus and you will be saved. If that's you today and you're not in a relationship with Jesus and you want to, would you just raise your hand right there where you are and say, that's me, Pastor. I need Jesus today. Anyone at all? I need Jesus today. Anyone at all? I'm gonna ask the prayer team, staff, come forward. We're gonna have a time of prayer. If you need prayer for anything at all today, Please come and receive it. We would love to agree with you. Can we give God the best praise we have all day? Come on, church. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.